Hello and welcome to the Artist Contemporary Podcast, the podcast that champions contemporary artists, curators and galleries. Listen each week to hear me, Anna Woodward, speak to a different person about their experiences, their practice and what they're currently up to within the contemporary arts. Welcome to the Arts Contemporary Podcast. Today I'm joined by Sophie Balance Cantor. Um, Sophie, could you please introduce your practice? Hi, Anna. Uh, thank you very much for having me. Um, so I make paintings and they are generally large, square and colourful, as I would describe them. And in my mind, they're kind of like portraying this uh, reality that's sort of halfway between real life and halfway between I'm gonna say fantasy I don't know if fantasy is quite the right word but um to me that's how I would describe them yeah mm-hmm. I think I think is at the moment I'm really obsessed with this idea of artists making their own world mm-hmm. and I think there's a real kind of you see so many people doing it at the moment and it's just I love seeing into people's worlds and like even when it comes down to people's color palettes and mm-hmm. what they imagine this world to be definitely I also think like especially with painting because it's this like it's such a solitary thing it's just you and your painting that's how I see it anyway I don't know if maybe other painters do as well it's kind of like it feels like a conversation between you and your work and you're the one turning up in your studio every day there's no one else there and you're just it's like you're talking to yourself almost so I feel like yeah. you do inevitably just create this yeah like it is kind of like a world that only you really truly know but then other people get these glimpses into it by looking at your work if you know what I mean yeah, I mean, I find it super interesting at the moment that for like, for example, with my works, I kind of I start with a collage an image mm-hmm. and then I just start painting it. And I don't I never really have like a set plan of what the painting is going to look like at the end. Mm-hmm. But I just find it so interesting, but they all end up kind of looking like each other mm-hmm. in a good way. Kind of like related like, to one another. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> rather than me being like, they're all the same. <laughs> <laughs> um, And I find it so interesting that like, only I could make them like that and your mm. paintings only you could make them like that and this super personal connection mm-hmm. between the creator and the finished product yeah for sure Douglas actually said something interesting to me the other day about his work he was like I was making this painting and I purposefully tried to make it looser than I would normally paint and he's like mm. but it just didn't work inevitably his language and his movements and his just being and and it didn't work, you know, it was just like, you couldn't fake it. Yeah. You can't, you can't fool painting. Like you, the way you paint is the way you paint, I think. Definitely. And I find that super interesting then when you see people who've done the drawing year mm. in the sense that they, everyone has their own style and language of creating work, mm-hmm. but they're obviously going through these different courses. Mm-hmm. And I find it super interesting to then look on social media and see them posting the work mm-hmm. and you can be like, oh, that's from the like, walking around a cityscape course Mm -hmm. but it's still their style and their interpretation of the teaching definitely yeah completely agree with you it's interesting and then so why do you think you always work in a square is it something you've always done or is it kind of like a conscious decision to start it was actually um in uh I used to live in Berlin so I would say about 2016 is when 
I'll, I think I'll probably end up explaining the backstory of this a bit more in a bit because I know what yes. you're going to ask me. Um, but in 2016... 26- <laughs> I mean, we can skip to that. Don't feel like we have to, like... Okay, okay. Um, so basically found myself in Berlin and wasn't in uni anymore. Left uni after second year. There's a whole story to that. And was kind of at this point where I had gone through a lot in the past year and it was this moment of, like, who who am I like kind of questioning in a good way though like who am I who do I want to be as an artist as much as anything and Douglas is amazing and he was like you need we need to prioritize our practices and he's like we're gonna you know we had basically hardly any money but um we had like part-time jobs to earn money and he was like okay we're gonna set a budget every month and we're gonna buy materials and we're going to spend 100 euros on materials every month. And he was like, don't be afraid to go big, you know, just like, you can have this canvas, I was going to use it for me, but you should have it. And it was square. And I painted on it. And I was like, this just makes sense. There's something about the square format that I, my brain understood it in a compositional way, because I think my compositions are quite like, um, I don't know if this is the right term, but they're like very contained and fully formed like I don't have things like flying off edges very much it's very much like there's a lot of symmetry as well in what I do and it just Mm. sort of fits in a square format I don't know and I just found that it worked for me and it's got to the point where I actually struggle very much if I try and do something that's not square my brain is like I don't understand how to do this and the way I could get around that is sticking two squares together and think about it as two squares. Yeah. But like, I, I don't know what it is. It's just like a good fit. And I just kind of roll with it. And yeah, I don't feel the need to change it because it works, if you know what I mean. I, I like, don't fix it. Don't try and fix it if it's not broken. Definitely. And I think everyone kind of has those things in their practice which influence them and are like such important ties to them. Like I find it really hard when I'm making like I'll make a, pa- a, sm- a small painting mm-hmm. and then I'll make a big painting mm-hmm. and they'll look completely different mm-hmm. and I can't like transfer the different languages and I'm way more comfortable big. <laughs> Same. I, I find small so much harder. I find small really, really hard. Really, really, really hard. Especially because I think that because, because it's almost like easier to physically paint something small, I think yeah. that the critical thinking kind of goes out the window when I try and do it because with a big painting there's a lot of like pausing and seeing where you're at and then deciding where you want to go and with this decision making but because it's so small you I almost like rush it and it just it's it's like the the critical thinking gets lost and I'm trying to do something that would work on a big scale or on a small scale and that also doesn't work but this is actually something that I've been trying to kind of understand and not like overcome because I don't think if if you don't work small that's also fine but kind of like I'm interested in now on how I can make it work and I found that drawing small works a lot more than painting does so I just have to kind of carry on this path and figure out how to bring back the critical thinking to the painting small if that makes sense yeah for sure because that's thing I've been doing recently over the past like three months making like large-scale paintings Mm. and then making like a4 a5 drawings Mm -hmm. And it's kind of, I actually find within the drawings, I can sort of transfer my language across a lot easier than if it was like an A5 canvas painting it in oil. Mm-hmm, definitely. Uh, yeah, completely with you on that. It's just, it's weird. And I think it's, it's about embracing the things that work for you 
and not feeling you have to do stuff that doesn't work for you but also it's okay to like be curious about why certain things don't work for you you don't have to discount them you can still like keep trying and and understanding because I feel like like as an artist if we're planning on doing this for you know the rest of our lives there's a lot of time left yeah there's a lot of learning left to do and there's you know our practices will probably change a lot in the next five years 10 years 15 years um but yeah I think it's really interesting definitely I think that's the thing it's like it's this constant evolving and changing and the idea of how like each piece is a new piece and you may just learn like a few things Mm -hmm. from it but for you it'll be such a big jump Mm -hmm. whereas visually to someone else it may just be like oh that bit's just a bit different or like your palette's just slightly toned down yeah you're using more green whereas to you you're like no it's no, completely like different painting thing. yeah yeah completely feel you on that definitely so where do you form the inspiration for your like composition and images basically I am all of the time on the lookout for stuff so I collect images whether that's on Instagram I take screenshots of TV shows and movies for compositions, color combinations. Um, I'm I'm really right now. I've come to realize how important like writing, other pe- reading other people's writing and like words can be very very evocative for me. So like in in my phone, I just I'll be reading a book or I listen to a podcast or song music. And a phrase will jump out at me and I'm like, ooh, that's really, really good. I'm going to write that down. I'm going to save it for later. And often, like, it's trying, for me, it's like taking the feeling of a a phrase that I really resonate with and finding a way to make a painting in my own visual language with the same feeling as that phrase gave me. So that's a big thing for me. Um, And basically just, like, collecting stuff and having conversations and writing things down and just I'm always on the hunt for stuff basically yeah yeah and then because obviously in some of your works you do incorporate text Mm -hmm. into Mm -hmm. it is there kind of do is that something that you plan or just kind of be in the moment that it feels right when you're creating the work it's definitely usually I I, like you said about not knowing how a work's gonna turn out exactly I never know how it's going to turn out I kind of start with this seed of an idea and I have to be excited about an idea to want to paint it because I know myself at this point that if I'm not excited if I feel like it's I'm making it for the wrong reasons or I feel I have to make it or I'm bored of the idea I know it's going to go wrong so I kind of have to have this spark of oh I think this is a good idea I think this could be really fruitful and I start with that and then I'm going to do you know what? I just realized I forgot the question that you just asked me. Ah, the text, the text. Um, and then from, it's like, it's like decision-making as I'm painting. So yeah. sometimes text is a, a really great compositional element. And sometimes you'll be looking at a canvas and you're like, that needs something. I'm going to put text there. Sometimes you put the text and you kind of go, I'm not sure it's needed. And I take it out and maybe I mm. title the painting, the text that I was going to use. Um, yeah, it really depends. But I, like you said, I, I don't, I don't like set out with the phrase and know I'm going to include it. It might just be the sentiment of the phrase that I'm, I'm working from. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's something that really kind of resonated with me when you were just saying that if it doesn't feel right, you won't mm-hmm. do it. And something I've, I'd say in the past like three months, I've really 
learned to do that and I think in the studio after leaving that kind of art school environment of where you have structured Mm -hmm. days of just being like if I get to three o'clock and I don't want to work on my next paint because I normally work on two paintings Mm -hmm. at a time if I don't personally feel that like I'm in the right headspace or have the right Mm -hmm. energy or focus I won't do it I think that whereas I yeah, whereas I think when you're kind of in that art school environment, it's kind of like you work nine yeah. to five, and you feel you have, and you, and you feel you have to because maybe other people are, or you feel like you're not doing enough. And I think it, these are like difficult feelings that I, I, I'm pretty sure a lot of artists deal with of this like productivity thing. And from also mm. for me, like you said, in the past year, it's been a very powerful thing to just go, no, that's not the right thing for me right now. I'm gonna take space I'm going to do something different I don't always have to be producing work I don't always have to be and then maybe in a few days the energy is kind of transformed and you're like yeah I feel like doing it now and I think you're always going to get a better painting and a more honest authentic painting if you're making it from a good place not from a place of oh I have to I have to do it for someone else and I'm only worth my productivity so Yeah, Yeah, definitely. I saw on um, James Owens, who's also a Mm -hmm. um, which I'm sure everyone listening (laughs) knows. (laughs) Um, He did, he was doing like Instagram questions the other day and someone asked him about his like daily routine in the Mm -hmm. studio. And it was really interesting. He was saying that he works like four to five hours Mm -hmm. of painting and tries to do that most days, but obviously has days off and stuff. And then we'll do that, but then we'll go and do works on paper at home Mm -hmm. in the evening or do admin or do mm-hmm. other things and I just really relate to that because I think there is sometimes this feeling from social media that everyone is always in the studio from <laughs> nine to eleven at yeah. night working the whole time making these amazing pieces and then you'll be like I'll sometimes be sat in my studio being like why can't I work here or like, uh-huh. definitely definitely feel that and I think that it's it, it's applicable to so many areas of life but it's that thing of like Instagram is not real Instagram is a tool yeah. and it's very useful and it's great. I mean, it can also be really inspiring to see other people working. But if you're in a shit space with yourself and with your work and then you see that, oh, fuck, that person's been in the studio for 12 hours and I'm just sat here not knowing what to do with myself. It's just, yeah. Gonna, yeah. And it's about perspective, I think. And just like, yeah, bearing that in mind. But to- totally feel you on that. Totally. Yeah, I think it's also, it's just, it takes time. And I, this is what I've realised that like, do you know what you don't leave art school and instantly have Mm -hmm. your routine like it takes time to settle and find your feet and find what Mm -hmm. works for you and it may be different to what you used to do and you know it's just completely personal but I think as long as you're happy and you're comfortable Mm -hmm. making work it's even um Leo Sartain from Rafiki Gallery he it came out last night so this episode we're coming out like Mm -hmm. next week but I'm sure by the time it's out, lots of people have seen it. And he's made this post being like, the, it, I will quote it wrongly, but it's like the best time for an artist is when they start making work yes. themselves. And this is when things start getting really exciting and stop making work Definitely. for other people. 100% agree with that. Um, I, I mentioned kind of a little bit before, but I, I went, so I went to Camberwell to study and I left after second year. And that was to do, it was basically my husband Douglas is from Colombia and his student visa ran out because he was one year ahead at university than me and we wouldn't we didn't have enough we basically were financially not in a position to apply for the spouse UK like 
partner visa because yeah. the amount of money you have to earn is really high. So we went to Berlin instead. And it was very, very interesting for me because I realized subsequently that the work I had been making at university was very much heavily influenced by what I thought I should make to kind of fit this aesthetic of the time and of the school and of the tutors. And yeah. then suddenly when I was removed from all of that, it was this moment of, oh, what do I want to make? I can make whatever I want mm. to. And it was this incredibly freeing start of something really fruitful for me. It was like, I kind of consider it the start of my real practice as I see it today. Like it's been a, a journey since then. But um, yeah. yeah, and without that, I honestly, I don't know what, I, what kind of work I would be making if I had maybe graduated or stayed in that environment or, yeah. So I'm a huge believer in like, you should be making the work that you want to see that is honest to you. And it's going to be a process, it's going to change. But if it's honest to you at that moment, that's the best you can kind of hope for, I think. Yeah, for sure. And it's like, I definitely had that moment in the first lockdown, like my paintings. I mean, to me, I'm like, from paintings like nine months ago, look completely different to my mm-hmm. paintings I'm making now, whereas some people are like, they're not. It's just a different like painting language you're using. But I made this one painting in lockdown. It was like my first, I had this urge for ages to, to go way more abstract like mm-hmm. my work is now. And I just remember it like when I was at art school, some tutors being like, but why are you doing this? Like, what's the mean behind this? Da, 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 like standard art school <laughs> crits and yeah. tutorials. And I just kind of felt like I wasn't allowed mm. to. And because I would use this like floral painting language and I just felt that like, I needed to make work like that because people yes, thought I should. Definitely. And then in lockdown, I made this one, I'd finished my like degree show series for my online submission. Mm-hmm. And I was just kind of like, well, fuck it. Like, I'm just going to make an mm-hmm. abstract work. And there's no one here. Like I'm in lockdown, mm-hmm. no one can see it. And I just made it and I was just so happy. And it was just like that moment of being like, this is mm-hmm. how I want to make work. Definitely. And it was so great. And I think it's, but I think if maybe we hadn't had the lockdown and like you were saying, if you hadn't left Camberwell and if I'd been in my City mm-hmm. Guild studio, if I'd had the confidence to make such a drastic mm-hmm. change in, like I did this painting in June, which is when I would yeah. have had my degree show. And I don't yeah. think I would have That's done it. That's so interesting. That is incredibly interesting. And it's like, I think it's such a powerful feeling when you, you make something and you feel like, yeah, this is, this is the, this is true to me. This is this was me. This came from yeah. me. Um, it doesn't matter if it's not the best painting in the world. It doesn't matter if it's just the start of something. It's just there's there's nothing like that feeling because it's it's the opposite of that is almost like not that it's not being an artist because I think it's 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 going to be different for everybody and there's a moment for everything as well. Like there's a moment to be influenced by what's around you. You're still forming yourself. You're still learning things. But um, I think to kind of persist after university, you also have to be comfortable making your own decisions and you have to be comfortable kind of standing your ground because not everyone is going to like it. But um, yeah. at least you know at the end of the day that that you kind of... I don't want to use the word integrity because then it's like maybe it's bashing the other thing. But it does kind of feel like integrity to yourself if you know what I mean just like doing justice justice yeah. to what you could be for yourself mm. I think it's it's also it's having this balance like 
everyone understands you do have to make money in the art world and you do have to survive and you do have to make things to sell but if you can in some way make work that you Mm -hmm. love and you're inspired by and you enjoy ultimately you're so passionate Mm -hmm. about making it in the long run theoretically touch wood you should have a much more fruitful career with you because you have energy to make it whereas if you're just making work because you were like oh but five collectors really like it and they will spend five grand on this painting so I'm just going to make work like this I think I think you're so right yeah because I think it's like it is thinking long term as well because this has got to sustain mm. you you know mentally as well as financially hopefully for for the long term and um yeah I think it's if if you're authentic in what you do your work is inevitably going to be more interesting and it's going to it's going to people are going to want it more I think that I think that it's like a gut feeling when you see work that's authentic you just kind of know that it's authentic like it's I don't think it's quantifiable but it, it for me it kind of manifests as a feeling of like you look about and you're like yeah that's just that's a really authentic version of what it is there's no there's not just one kind of yeah. work that that is acceptable you know like figurative abstract whatever um but you can tell you can definitely tell Mm-hmm. yeah and I think it's it's the idea of that a lot of people's paintings and I think we're quite similar in saying that it's a side of our personality and putting mm-hmm. you onto the canvas and I think when you know I find it interesting when I for example like friends of an artist then I know their work I just get so obsessed with mm-hmm. people's work because I'm just like I can see that it's yeah a side definitely. of them it's like a whole other layer of context you, yeah sure so in your works they do quite often feature Mm -hmm. animals and cats what's the relationship between kind of bringing them into the work and is it kind of a personal relationship you have with animals again it started um in berlin in 2016 and we we had cats in the uk and we brought them to berlin and we kind of had this this year of like well, I don't know how the situation is now, but in Berlin at the time, it's incredibly hard to find a place to live. So yeah. we had lived in like six subleases in one year. And we finally got this apartment, which was like a sublease, but it was the whole apartment and it was for one year. So we knew that we were kind of like settled a little bit more. We had a little bit of like a place to be. We weren't going to get like kicked out. And we brought our cats from the UK. And we, this was the time that, I really felt like uh, I started painting again and I started having time and energy to put into my practice. And because my cats were there, I was like, this is really happening. I'm going to put them in my work. And it was a very like natural first step of like, it felt important in my life that I had them back and we'd finally found this flat in Berlin and we could paint again. So I put them in the paintings and from that point on, it's just been this like very natural progression of them appearing and kind of repeating in the paintings. And as time has gone on, they've kind of like transcended just, oh, that's my cat and that's a picture of my cat. And they've become this kind of like language. Yeah. Like they are an integral part of, of the language and they change from painting to painting and they're incredibly good for it animals are great for symbolizing everything in a more subtle way than maybe if I 
always painted a self-portrait if I always painted a human figure I think that it's amazing what you can use to portray something in a not so obvious way and I just they've just basically become my visual language and another I keep quoting Douglas because yeah. you know he's <laughs> incredibly wise for a lot. <laughs> um, and he was saying the other day to me he was like you know I feel like at some point when you've started to establish your way of working as a painter at some point it almost doesn't matter what you're painting because it's just it's just your visual language and there's this closer connection between how you paint and what you're trying to say and it just becomes this natural thing of like the rest kind of falls away and I completely agree with that of the fact that when you're first trying to establish yourself there's this questioning of oh, why did I paint that? And why did I paint it that way? And also, I think people asking you, and what does this mean? And what, exactly, what does this one specific thing in one painting mean? And it's like, fuck, it doesn't, in my head, it really doesn't work like that. Like, Mm. I think of, like, my practice as a cake, and then each painting is, like, a really, really skinny slice of the cake. And to understand the practice, you have to look at the whole cake. You cannot just look at one painting and understand what's going on because they're all like in conversation with each other and they're all linked to one another. And they're all just like part of this bigger thing, if you know what I mean. Um, So I think it's like, I I also don't think that there's any need to kind of like over explain every decision of why you decided this thing here or that, that symbol or whatever. I think that, it's also about feeling it and at the end of the day the reason people fall in love with pieces of art is because they feel something when they see them yeah and yeah so I I'm not in in the the camp of having to kind of like over I don't feel I have to justify it if you know what I mean yeah definitely I think there is this also thing now that people kind of want information and meaning for everything yeah and with my works because they're all in like my vehicle and journey through the work is inspiration from classical paintings and mythology mm-hmm. but when you look at my work I don't need the viewer to be like oh this is Odysseus on Calypso's island blah 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 blah, blah. exactly like, it's my personal vehicle through the work for it's... me to create works like this yeah but I don't need you to understand that yeah completely. it's just my vehicle and like I do like try and play around with namings and I often like name the paintings after like phrases or themes within the mythology and like that trying to link to the class what the classical paintings were depicting Mm -hmm. but that's just kind of my own almost like secret joke yeah and like filing system of the works being when I was making that I was thinking of the sirens yeah and that's why I named it that and that's what the blues means and blah 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 I also think that like retroactively this has happened to me before where I've been making maybe a few paintings or a painting at a certain time in my life and I won't have been aware of kind of like what I was putting into the painting and then six months later I'll be like rearranging the studio or restretching something or photographing something and I'll look at it again and I'm like oh shit that's so related to something that was happening in my life you know and it's glaringly obvious and at the time, I had no idea because it's kind of like a more subtle nuance of what's actually happening and how that ends up in the work. And then later on, you realise and you're like, oh, now I understand. And I yeah. think that's totally fine. Like, you're, this is like a learning process. And 
there is no right and wrong you know there's there's no need to just explain everything basically yeah exactly and I think also the arts contemporary like I tell people when people are like oh like you haven't posted my work or something and I'm just like I'm one opinion yes I'm one person like there are so many people in the art world and it's just everyone has their own taste style (laughs) ideas and that doesn't mean that your artwork isn't valued absolutely it's just one person Mm -hmm. it may not do it for them it may not have that spark yeah and that's absolutely fine I think people need to I think there's also this problem with social media and I obviously I run an Instagram based account and platform Mm -hmm. but it's like I when people like ask me about like advice I'm like the art world doesn't run on Instagram no it's beyond that like you may sell all your works through Instagram but how long realistically is Instagram going to be around for them the Facebook era the Twitter era mm-hmm. we're on Instagram now but mm-hmm. yeah it's just I think making sure people like live beyond it and make work beyond it is so important definitely and don't just uh I think there's this weird thing of like um it starts to get in your head because you're like oh I made this painting and it got a thousand likes but this mm. one only got 250 likes and there are a million reasons why that is a thing that has probably no bearing on how good of a painting that is, how honest of a painting that is. Yeah. Um, but it can get in your head because then you're like, oh, maybe I should be making more of this. And it's about being aware of those thoughts and essentially ignoring those thoughts for me anyway. Yeah. It's just like that has nothing to do with it. Just continue. Use Treat Instagram as a tool that can be useful, definitely. Yeah. But don't let it like infringe on your creative process like in my head I try and keep them separate like even career art world exhibition stuff I try and keep it out of my head when I'm painting because I just think they're different they're different things and they I don't want them to bleed together essentially yeah I always say like if people ask about like advice on how to like use their Instagram or what to post Mm -hmm. I'm like use Instagram like it's your CV Mm -hmm. but like as a loose loose turn like this is not me like preaching telling them to use and like use it like your LinkedIn as if you worked in finance Mm -hmm. people have their jobs what like for example like post what exhibitions you've been in that's fine but you don't need to if you don't want to share something don't share it yeah you don't have to exactly and yeah and I think also a lot of like I like people like oh people are going to judge me and I think a lot of people just have these thoughts within inside their own heads Mm -hmm. and I've realized like actually people aren't going to judge you and it's people are not thinking about you people are thinking about them (laughs) and that's transferable (laughs) to every situation in life I feel like that's summed up like (laughs) this generation (laughs) yeah exactly definitely oh yeah (laughs) I also just like I mean when you're talking about the cats going back them I always find that you're like cat portraits you've almost created like your own like breed and species <laughs> yeah. of cats. yeah I know what you mean and they're kind of always evolving and but I feel like there's different subcategories within that weird species because it's like there's big cats that are kind of more I'm not going to say realistic because they're not realistic um and then there's kind of this more especially if I'm painting my own cats they kind of end up mm. a little bit more caricatured because I know them so well I'm gonna kind of trying to portray the personality I know they have if you know what I mean Mm -hmm. so there's that and then there's just like there's also the kind of loosest figure of just like a cat that's always just like 
especially in the smaller works it's kind of like this almost shadowy just sort of shape of a cat is also a thing but yeah definitely yeah I think there's also in some of the like portraits probably not the right word to use but you know when it's like the big like face of the cat yeah. there's this kind of balance and hybrid between like a domestic and a wild cat yeah. it's caught between two things exactly which yeah. is kind of like what I was saying at the beginning like and it's about I often like maybe a funny idea of something that happened really happened with my cat in real life and then it would be portrayed as a big cat in a painting mm. and it is this kind of like reimagining and um yeah it's it ends yeah. up being then, two things at once yeah and then the use of the colors push it into that other world mm-hmm. and kind of beyond our own reality mm-hmm. definitely so what what influences your use of color have you always have like had a distinctive color palette or is it something that's evolved and changed it's definitely evolved a lot over the past year i've consciously taken um more time when thinking about color this year and it was a conscious decision because I think I'm like quite in I work really quickly when I paint so I if I just go with my full-on instinct um I often end up just being grabbing whatever's close by and going I'm going to mix a pink and not really thinking about it and then I put it on the canvas yeah. and I'm like that's not the right fucking pink and I painted the whole thing and I'm like okay now I have to reassess so I decided I wanted to think really carefully about color combinations this year and make incorporate that as part of my practice. And I started collecting images on Instagram and saving them in a folder of color combinations. And also Douglas got me this this little book and it's like Japan it's like a Japanese book and it gives you like it's basically just a book of color combinations. So is it like corresponding colours that work together? Exactly. And it's got like, I don't know, 300 different combinations. There's like twos and fours and threes. And it's so incredibly useful because just taking that time to like pause and assess what I'm doing, I think has really changed the colour combinations that I'm using. And I think they're a lot better now. And I think they're more, it's just like, it's bringing other elements of my work back together. Like it's tying things together. And I think, I'm really glad that I've started incorporating that in. Um, and I think that like, it can be so striking. That can be the reason that you fall in love with a piece of work is because of just two colors together. And you're like, that's just amazing. Um, I, I would say it's not, it's, it's one of the things that doesn't come fully naturally to me because like when I paint, um, I rely on instinct a lot so for like composition I'm like no that's that's wrong there I need to change it or whatever or drawing I'm like I can tell if a drawing's awesome it's going to affect the painting um whereas to Douglas color is he comes to him really really naturally and he'll have like a canvas and he's like yeah I'm going to paint it yellow and green and purple and in my head I'm like that is not going to fucking work and then he does it and it (laughs) fucking works and I'm like how do you do that it's just like it comes natural to him so Often when I'm stuck with colour, I'll ask him, I'll say, what colour do you think would work? What colours would you think would work? And I steal his colours, like when he's finished with them. He tends to overmix paint. Um, so he ends up with paint left over. And I'm just like, fuck it, I'm taking that. Yeah, that's so good. Do you guys share materials? We do share materials, yeah. That makes it so much easier. Mm-hmm, it does. <laughs> and we buy in bulk as well. We just like literally 
a couple of weeks ago we ended up spending like 300 pounds on paint and oil and we were just like we're not going to need to buy paint for like at least a few months now which is like a great feeling that's so good because I'm so I don't know I'm so lazy with ordering art materials I think because so where I live there's an art Mm -hmm. shop there's a Jackson's Mm -hmm. and I used to just like love it like once a month (laughs) on a Monday morning getting (laughs) up early walking across the bridge to the art shop and then I'd spend like I'd buy stupid stuff I'd like go and I'd be like okay I just need to buy a red a yellow some linseed oil and some primer and I'd come out and I'd be like I'm gonna do some lino (laughs) I'm gonna make a lino cut and I'm gonna make a candle and I'm gonna Honestly, it's so dangerous. But I think I just really miss, like, going to the shop and just, like, pottering about, (laughs) looking at everything, Uh like, walking around. And I just find, like, online I don't have that. And then I, at the moment, I keep, like, I'll run out of materials. Mm. And I'm just like, oh, and then I have to wait, like, three days for it to arrive. And this it's annoying. I need to get more This also happened to us in the first lockdown, though, because our canvas supplier we buy it on like huge rolls like it's a massive roll and mm. you just like you buy it in bulk you're going to buy like 30 meters at a time kind of thing and the camp during the first lockdown the canvas supplier uh was like not open at all and it's the best most affordable one that we find we did like all the research and we ended up we ran out and we ended up like sacrificing really old paintings from like three years ago and we're like right don't need that anymore I'm gonna restretch it so like some paintings have from the, like last year have like an old painting of Douglas's on the back or an old painting of mine on the back oh god that's I'm the thing in the first lockdown I remember it was so hard to get supplies mm. like I waited three weeks for canvases oh my god and it was just so so and it was also like really good about everyone getting into the art world but I remember seeing so many memes about like people like lockdown hobby artists stealing all our supplies (laughs) but when like you needed to make work and it was like you can't buy any oils except like oil stuff yeah exactly and you're like like, I really don't need seven of the ten colors yeah (laughs) I don't need primary colors again I need the like hues and yeah exactly oh god (laughs) The struggles but yeah I mean that's also the thing when I was at City and Girls I hate ordering canvas mm. and you used to just be able to like go to they had like an art mm-hmm. box it was like an art shop in the mm-hmm. art school and you could just go and be like with your exact stretch mm-hmm. measurements and only buy what you yeah. need whereas I'm just lazy of art materials I need to get better it's a process it's a process but this I think I'm lazy as well so I'm going back to City and Girls next year for my okay. masters so I'm like oh. <laughs> that's funny <laughs> yeah so I feel like maybe when I leave I'll just have to like bulk buy definitely just like get in there and make like a little arrangement or something yeah um so how do you think yourself and Douglas influence each other's practices because obviously you live together share studios Mm -hmm. share paints (laughs) um definitely Douglas has been like a massive influence on my practice everything from like what I was telling you earlier about um when we first moved to Berlin and he was like I really think we should just like make a budget every month and dedicate that to art materials and yeah he just has been this influence of massive influence of like prioritizing your art prioritize painting because like as an anxious person when you're short of money I'm my mind's like fuck can I justify spending this much on paint and I suddenly and he made me realize that that is the most valuable thing you can do for your practice is just invest in your practice and prioritize it 
so there's definitely that element of it but also like visually I think it's really interesting that we are actually quite different people in life and the way we approach making paintings I feel like comes from a very different place each of us um but sharing a space and sharing so much time together and growing together as people inevitably things kind of seep together at the edges and little elements um maybe it's a color or maybe it's a joke mm. or maybe it's another element they kind of end up transferring to each other and you can i think you can tell that we make work in the same space um mm. it's funny because often people will say oh i can't tell whose work is whose and we're kind of like come on how can you not tell whose work is whose yes there's some elements that are similar you know it's figurative and there's bright yeah. colors and flat colors and they're large paintings but the way the paintings are constructed and the, the way they're drawn and the subject matter we see as quite different interestingly because we know I think they're quite different yeah. and they have very different themes I think the feeling is quite different style. yeah yeah I think like obviously there's like color exactly I think there's like a, th a thread that connects them and you can tell that we know each other and you can tell that we're close and you know, we appear in each other's work. You know, Douglas paints me a lot. He paints nudes. Yeah. I, my ass is in a lot of his paintings. <laughs> and I've painted him before and the influence is there. Um, but yeah, I don't know. He's been a massive influence, definitely. And I'm so grateful yeah. to be able to have grown as an artist next to him. It's been like an honour to do that. Yeah, I mean, it must have been so amazing, like, thinking back at your time in Berlin to have that kind of support mm -hmm. from him and that mm -hmm. structure to be like this is what we're going to do and I think sometimes when you're doing it by yourself but to kind of have the confidence being like we're both going to do this we're both gonna definitely we're both going to invest and I think you're so right about the, this idea of support because I think it is it's quite a scary thing when you first leave university or even when you're at university making art is a vulnerable process it's like it's, it's not yeah. an easy thing to do. And it, it's very easy to get discouraged, I think, especially early on. It's very easy to get discouraged or if you feel like things are not going your way or someone people don't understand what you're trying to say. Um, and having someone else either going through that with you or there to kind of like cut the crap sometimes and go, you shouldn't be yeah. paying attention to that. You don't have to worry what that person thinks. Um, I think that is you kind of forget how useful that is because we're so used to I'm so used to sharing a studio and sharing everything and then I, I sometimes mm. imagine I don't know I think I probably might have given up if I didn't have someone if I didn't have him there there's many points where I could have easily given up you know yeah. so I owe a lot to him I'm very grateful yeah I think that's the thing when you leave I think art schools are amazing but I don't think they prepare mm -mm, you at all or reality as an artist and even just the thing of like art materials are yeah. expensive and when you leave you normally don't have much money and it's paying for a studio mm -hmm. and also having part-time jobs and I felt like I found this balance being like I need to go to the studio mm -hmm. to make work but I need to go to my part-time mm -hmm. job to have money yeah. to make work and it's finding mm -hmm. that balance of how many days a week are you working how many mm -hmm. shifts and actually I found like I managed to find the balance 
but because I found that if I work too much I then don't on my days off I don't have the energy to go make work and actually I was like I'll earn less money but have more time that is exactly what we we've done for like the past five years yeah but it's a hard commitment (laughs) to make because in your head it's not a logic it's not what you're taught it's not what you do it's not what you're taught is the the image of success and again this comes Mm. back to social media because it's like if you for so many years I just I specifically remember seeing people travel a lot you know like oh this person's here this person's there and I was like fuck I don't have enough money in my bank account to buy a plane ticket anywhere right now like I I, there's no way in hell I could have done that for so long and um and it was about reminding myself but there's a reason why I'm, I'm choosing to do something else right now and not to judge other people's ways of doing things it's just it's finding what works for you and definitely what worked for us was painting first yes it it inevitably it feeds your soul I think yeah for sure and I think that's the thing if like I know if I wasn't when I'm not making work or I don't feel like I have I'm connected to my work yeah I'm not happy and I mean I find it really funny that people because obviously people now know that I do the Ask Contemporary and like the podcast interviews and stuff along my own practice and people are like no no but what do you do in your spare time this is my spare time they're like but what's your hobby what do you do to relax and I'm like paint (laughs) or like chat for artists and record it yeah exactly exactly yeah I'm totally with you on that I just find it such a funny concept when I think it's quite often like non-art people just see art as like a hobby and they're like but what but it's your job how does this work also that's another interesting point from non-art people because like um often I've had this in the past where someone will go oh what are you doing today and I'll be like yeah I'm painting in the studio and they're like oh you're free then and it's like no this is this is a thing that takes time and you have to give time to it and that you cannot just like tell me that because it's flexible it doesn't mean that I'm not busy yeah definitely yeah Uh, yeah I mean I get that and it's like oh well you haven't actually really done anything today like your day has been stressful (laughs) do you realize how stressful it is to sit here not knowing what to pay (laughs) and I'm also I'm also like well do you know what it's your fault (laughs) (laughs) don't put your hate on yeah exactly exactly Like, it's not my fault you're bored in an office. I learned very quickly after work experience that I just could not work in an office. And I could not think, even now, like, I don't think I could have, like, I probably shouldn't say it's on a podcast, but (laughs) formal employment. (laughs) (laughs) I probably shouldn't say it. It's fine. But I think this is, I'm so used to just, like, running my own life and timeframes and And you know what? Doing You know what else? Like, the jobs that I've had you know to support myself for the past how many years six seven years are always have been like hospitality jobs kitchen jobs like making coffee jobs like that and a lot of time you know because it does suck it's it makes you tired and it doesn't pay well and a lot of times people go why don't you just get a job in a gallery why don't you just uh you know why don't you just go and get a job and it's like one if you cannot afford to work for free for like a year as an intern that ain't gonna happen anyway and two I don't think I actually I don't think it would work for me to use 
creative energy for someone else. I want to save my creative energy for my own practice. It's like if I'm waiting tables or making coffee, that's physically tiring, but it's not mentally tiring, you know, and then, you know, I can go home and sleep and then the next day I can paint and I haven't used sort of my creativity up for someone else. And that's just like a person, definitely just a personal preference for some people it works and they managed to juggle those two things really yeah. successfully and I think good for you that's great uh and I think at the end of the day with all of these things we've been talking about it's going to be different for everyone and it's about finding what works for you and what works for you doesn't have to yeah. work for anyone else it just has to work for you yeah that's because I invigilate at a gallery and I just for me it works because perfect I love you know what would happen to me if I <laughs> so invigilated I just... in the gallery I'd sat there overthinking and getting stressed for eight hours and then I'd go home and cry probably yeah that's thing I think for me like I just I can zone mm-hmm. out quite easily which I also probably shouldn't be saying but I can just like I can plan things and I can just like we get really long breaks so I take my laptop and I'm actually I'm I'm quite good at saying when I'm working at mm-hmm. the gallery for the day that's when I have to Perfect. do my admin. That's when I have to write podcast questions. That's when I have to do emails and ask contemporary stuff. So then it means, <laughs> in theory, in theory <laughs> when I go to the studio, I it's just me. Yeah. It's just my practice. That, that sounds like exactly split. like you found the right balance for you. You know, like and like I said, yeah. it's going to be different for everyone. And for some people, like uh, it's hard to. It's like Douglas likes to have his days off in a row because if he has one day off he's he can't switch from work mode to painting mode very easily it's like a a slower transition so he needs you know his days working in a row and then his days off in a row whereas I don't mind I can like switch a lot easier so it's like I can work one day one day off work one day one day off and that works for me you know because of it's just difference of who we are I think um but yeah just like find what works for you I think yeah definitely and I think especially like with side jobs and part-time jobs that you have to find something that works for you because ultimately you need to do it and you need to Mm -hmm. be motivated to do it Mm -hmm. to fund your art and to allow that because there's nothing worse than like I've had jobs that I absolutely Mm -hmm. hated and I would just be that I'd like wake up each morning just be like I wish I had a time (laughs) so I didn't have to go in or like because you and then it just becomes you start resenting your own you know that's interesting because uh not always I have also felt like that too but in the past I've had jobs where um I've hated it but it's become like fuel because it's like fuck it I'm not going to do this Mm. forever I'm going to go home and paint you know yeah and it's about yeah again it's different for everyone yeah for sure but amazing well thank you so much for joining me thank you so much on for the having me podcast I- thank you so much for listening to the artist contemporary podcast remember to check out the artist contemporary instagram and to subscribe to the podcast to keep up to date with all the episodes artists and exhibitions that are posted on the platform mm-hmm.